Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. Nikki Javala does a great job covering the team for the Washington Post, and she joins us right now, courtesy of our BetQL guest hotline. Follow Nikki on Twitter on X at Nikki Javala, J H A B V A L A. You were in Detroit. I, actually, now that I think about it, were you in Detroit the last two weeks for both of those games? I was, yes. So tell everybody what the what it was like to be there because that environment through the TV seemed incredible. It was very cold. Um, <laughs> Not indoors. No, in, outside the stadium. No, it was amazing. Truly, like that, especially the wild card game. Just because of you know everything with Matt Stafford and Jared Goff, it was it was truly one of the most electric environments I've ever been in outside of a Super Bowl game. Um, it was amazing. I mean, Lions fans are legit. They packed it in. And this past weekend against the Bucks, I I swear I only spotted like three Bucks jerseys, and it's very easy to pick them out. You know that one orange or red jersey right. in the sea of blue. Um, but they did. I mean, the Lions. Kudos to them. They did a fantastic job um, in, in setting everything up for this game. The last two games. Um, because that place is rocking. It was amazing. You know, Tariko, who is, I don't really think, prone to hyperbole that much. As many games as he's worked, and I know he's from Michigan, and Tariko was on the call with Collinsworth on Sunday, said it was the most electric environment he's ever been in for yeah. a pro 
football game. Um, and, you know, uh, you grew up in, in a family that were fans, you've told me in the past, of mm-hmm. the Washington Redskins. And 41 yeah. years ago yesterday was the Dallas-Washington NFC title game at RFK. And something that Tarico said at the beginning of that game, and maybe you were there for it, I'm assuming you were, he said the stadium was essentially filled 45 minutes before kickoff. And that's my memory of RFK for the championship game between Washington and Dallas. We never got to games early. My father was an arrive right before kickoff and leave early if it's if it's over kind of a yeah. guy. We got there an hour before kickoff and 45 minutes before the stadium was completely filled. You never see that. Was that noticeable? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, they were ch- the whole place was chanting Jared Goff at that time. I mean, it, you could not hear anything. Um, I usually go like four hours early just because I like to get settled and yeah. read up and everything. Um, and yeah, it's it, for most stadiums, especially during the regular season. Um, you know, it, it fills maybe fifteen, twenty, thirty minutes before um, before kickoff, if not. You know, some places it's the third quarter, but, right. um, but yeah, no, they Lions fans, man, they are they are loyal, and they they came with it this week. It was great. Yeah, there's something you know, even if you're not a sports fan, to be in an environment like that, which you get. You know, maybe at concerts, um, you get at championship fights. I've been to several of those. There's no feeling like that. A big fight, like yeah. the, the like moments before as the as the boxers or the fighters are entering the ring. But it looked like that um, on Sunday. So you wrote was, about it, Dan. Go ahead. Sorry. Oh, I was just gonna say it was very similar to both those things. I think that's what made it felt so cool. Is like, I mean, they have these flashing lights on every seat. So when they dim the lights in the in the stadium that you just see these blue and white flashing lights everywhere um you know the the special teams they all dance to swag surfing they get a whole crowd going it's just yeah it, it felt very much like a concert or a boxing match or anything other than you know your typical you know football game where it's the same sort of sounds at specific moments it was just a constant roar throughout yeah, um, that's awesome. Uh, I, you know, I was thinking Baltimore, you know, hosting against Kansas City Sunday at M&T Bank is going to be incredible. Where will you be yeah. Sunday? I will be there. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I've that, got a good that, slate of games this playoff. <laughs> yeah, you so. have. That that place will be nuts. Um, why has – you wrote about Dan Campbell. Why has Dan Campbell been so successful in such a short period of time? Um, I, I think a number of things. I think, first of all, the players really believe in him. Um, and he, he does seem very genuine. Um, he's easy to like, easy to root for. Um, players seem to enjoy playing for him. Um, I mean, the man just gets hyped. Like, in post-game press conferences, like, shoot, I wanted to play for him after that. Um, he just – he just – he loves the game. He loves the players. Um, I also think he's he's a very smart coach, maybe more than people give him credit for. Um, just in you know building the staff that he has, um, and like with any staff in the NFL, a lot of it is built on familiarity. I mean, he worked with Ben Johnson in Miami. Um, he's been with Aaron Glenn before, but these guys all believe in him. Um, and I think with, it starts at the top, too, with Brad Holmes. And they all shared the same vision, and they held to this one vision throughout. Um, 
And I think, you know, we've seen it here, certainly in Washington, when you try to change what you want to be or what you think you are year after year, it's impossible to have any sort of continuity or develop players. And they haven't done it. I mean, they've, they stuck to their vision from the outset. It seemed outlandish at first because of what Detroit has been through over the last few decades, but they held to it and they've, they've brought in good players and they've really developed them. Um, and it, it's paid off. Is his intelligence more emotional intelligence, people intelligence, than it is X's and O's? I think it's both. I mean, I think you have to have a certain level of X's and O's. He played. He knows the game well. Um, but, yeah, I do think he understands people. He understands what what makes these players tick. He understands how to get the best out of the coaches and players. Um, and that's a skill not not every coach has. They may be really good football minds, but there's a psychology aspect to this that – you know, especially for a head coach, you have to understand how to how to motivate players, how to put the best personalities and the best minds together to make it work. Because it really does it, it takes a perfect storm um, to to get to the Super Bowl, to win the Super Bowl, um, and especially for a, a team like Detroit, they have a lot of really talented players on offense. I think defense is more they're getting the most out of the guys back there, and they really had probably their best game of the season at the biggest moment. Um, and you look at what they've done with Jared Goff, you know, coming out of L.A., he kind of seemed broken after some really good years there and sort of reviving his career. I think that speaks to the coaching, obviously, and, and the belief that the players have in them. Well, so much Detroit questioning here because you were there, but also leading up to what did you learn about Ben Johnson, about Aaron Glenn, two guys that we've this team has interviewed virtually and will certainly – interview uh, formally next week Ben Johnson we've certainly sensed that that'll happen so what did you learn about Ben Johnson first and Aaron Glenn second yeah and I I went out Wednesday specifically for that to talk to some folks talk to a lot of players as many as I could get really about um, Ben Johnson and Aaron Glenn Um, I think the, the thing that stood out to me the most about Ben Johnson is he's every player I talk to among the first things they said was he's a very clear communicator, Um, obviously a good play caller, very smart. I mean, he's a mathematics and computer science major at North Carolina, very fine institution, by the way. Um, (laughs) Spoken (laughs) like a true heel as in Tar Heel. Actually, I think we're in the same graduating class. Oh, Um, really? Our, our careers took very divergent paths after that. (laughs) Um, But, yeah, well, it was nice smart. for him to succeed at a basketball school. That was right. nice. <laughs> um, but he, he was a walk-on quarterback at Carolina. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think he fully intended to go into coaching, but he had some really great mentors coming out, and you know he's he's smart as hell, you know, and and that's really helped him. And he's been through it in his coaching career. You know, he. He worked his way up in Miami, then things kind of fell apart. Then he basically started back over in Detroit, you know, working at the bottom as a QC coach and then, you know, becoming positional coach and um, then getting elevated to OC and then getting handed, you know, play calling duties. And he's, I mean, he's obviously succeeded at all levels. They have a lot of talent there, but I, I think what players appreciate, and I think Washington fans perhaps more than most markets would really appreciate this is the fact that one, he's a very clear, clear communicator. You know, his system is complex, but it's 
condensed and they, they run a, you know, a lot of different plays out of the same formations, um, the way they use their talent. I mean, it's a luxury to have a tackle like Penny Sewell. I mean, the way he pulls, he's one of the most athletic tacklers right. I've yep. seen outside of Trent. Trent um, so I, I think the way he maximizes the talent is, is something they certainly appreciate. Um, you know, in the year when Anthony Lynn was running the offense, who was a very good coach, by the way, it just didn't really work out. It, it's kind of seemed one dimensional and he's really gotten the run game. I mean, it, it is a run first offense really. Yeah. Um, and the way he's gotten his receivers involved, you look at what Amonra St. Brown has become in this offense and he's a very fine player in his own right, but he's especially talented in this offense and the way they've used him and, you know, how they use their tight ends. I mean, shoot, any Washington fan would be jealous watching that. I would think um, just the production they're getting out of, you know, tight ends at every level. I mean, even their third string guys, they're going to bring in a fourth one now, and, and I'm sure they'll find ways to get him open. So, um, you know, it's, it's a creative play call. They like that they're all having a hand in it. They also said he's he's collaborative in the sense that, you know, players can come to him and be like, no, this isn't working. This is what we're seeing. Can we run this? And he really does, you know, he'll, he'll use what they say. I mean, he knows he's not the one out there. He's not seeing what they see. So he takes their input, and I, that seemed to mean a lot to players. So he's a clear communicator. What about, you know, what we heard from Adam Peters? They're looking for, you know, a leader. Does he have yeah. that ability? C- communicating is part of that, clearly, in in right. in being an effective leader. But will he, you know, will he have the room? And that's the part I think we may not fully see until he gets a head coaching job. Um I think everybody believes in him and he's become more vocal in this role. You have to be when you take on, when you go from one position to every position on, you know, on the entire side of the ball. But when you become head coach, you got, you got everybody to worry about. So I, people did say he has become more vocal, more forceful. Um, that is one area where he's really worked on and they've noticed it. Um, but he's, you know, he's not going to be Dan Campbell out there if you can, um, but his style, I think that's, that's to be determined really. Um, and I think a lot of what we see in successful teams is simply the fact that they're successful. You know, everybody believes in it when you're winning, you know, nobody has a problem with, you know, schedule tweaks or, you know, <laughs> insane practices. If it's working, yeah. it's usually when, you know, if you're doing all this and it's losing, that's when you lose guys. Right. Um, so, you know, I, I, I think this, if he takes this job, I think it would be a very interesting, certainly an interesting test for him and everybody involved, just because it's a blank slate and it's, you're not going to have all the pieces that you had in Detroit. Right. And I think that's sometimes where some of the nuance gets lost is, Oh, look what he did in Detroit. He can do that in Washington. No, he doesn't have these pieces. You know, it's going to be different. Um, but his style, his approach, I think, will really come to light, you know, early on. Yeah. It will have to. Yeah, we're talking to Nikki. I, I um, Nikki Javala from the Washington Post, of course. I, I don't want to forget to ask you about what you learned about Aaron Glenn. But one of the things I, I mentioned yesterday, and I think it was to John or Ben, I can't remember now. But, you know, a lot of these interviews and the presentations that the that the potential hires make is – 
the staff and you know what they see, what they think they can pull together in the form of a staff. It's harder typically for the coordinators to pull one together than it is for, say, Dan Quinn or maybe even Raheem Morris to pull one together. Do you have any sense as to whether or not Ben Johnson's going to be able to command the attention of some of the better assistants, you know, for an OC, for a defensive coordinator? What's your hunch there? I do. And I think this is where Washington's overall potential could really benefit Ben and any assistant that comes in just because, I mean, you look at what they have to offer. I mean, there, there are going to be some instances I would think where since it's assistants are going to be like, yeah, why not? You know, a lot of it's going to be built on familiarity guys that Ben knows guys that he's worked with. Um, and he's, you know, he's been around the league for a minute. So there are others that I'm, I'm sure he wants to work with um, and that, you know, want to work with him and that are perhaps intrigued by, oh, here's a team with great market, new ownership, five picks in the first three rounds, the number two overall pick, and a ton of cap space. Why not? Um, so, yeah, I, I do think he'll be able to attract, you know, some really good assistance. I think we ought to be cognizant of NFL rules and, you know, can't really make lateral moves. So if he's right. looking to go get, you know, a top coordinator to have the same position, that's not going to work. You're looking at the up and coming guys. I, you know, one name that I think should probably be on everybody's radar is Hank Fraley, the O-line coach in Detroit could definitely see him being among the candidates to possibly come over for an OC role. Cause you got to remember that if Ben Johnson comes over, he's going to be calling plays. Um, so the OC would be more of, you know, overseeing the offense day to day and head coach handling play calling duties. But, you know, I, I, you look at what Hank Fraley's done with the O-line there. He's a well-respected positional coach. I could, I could see him being a candidate to come over. Do you have a thought on a candidate for defensive coordinator? I mean, we're focused on Ben Johnson and let's just say it because we, I think we both believe that he's the front runner. Am I putting words right. into your mouth or not unnecessarily? No. Yeah, no, he is. Okay. Um, <laughs> so, what about a def- what about a defensive coordinator? Yeah, this is this is the this one's a little bit harder for me because I, I think there are some names that make a lot of sense. It's again going back to the, the lateral moves. Will they be able to get out of their current situation? Like I look right. at Ezra Evero, um, the Panthers' defensive coordinator. Yeah. Um, he would be a great pairing here, but would Carolina let him out of his situation there to make a lateral move? Unclear. Um, By the way, can you give him an associate head coach title, um, defensive coordinator, associate head coach title, and that's considered not lateral, but a move up? I I think so. Yeah. I I mean, that's, and that's a loophole that many teams have taken, you know, just throw on another tag. Um, you know, and he, I mean, he would be worthy of that tag. You know, he's been in the head coaching cycle too for, you know, a, a few years now, you know, working in LA, having a lot of success, success there on that defense. I mean, he, he was part of Gruden's staff in Tampa Bay. He's worked with a number of yeah. great guys. Um, so I think, I mean, in an ideal world, if I were building the staff, he would be my ideal candidate there. Um, but yeah, we'll see. All right, I also talking... think a name to really keep an eye on too is probably um, Christian Parker, the Broncos DBs coach. You know, Virginia native. I think he's one of the really good up and coming coach. 
coaches in the league. Um, yeah, uh, working for wait, who was the DC there this year? I'm for, I'm blanking for Peyton um, Vance. Oh, that's right. Vance um, all right, so just we're talking to Nikki Javala from the Washington Post. Just real quickly, run through where we are right now. Ben Johnson will be formally interviewed next week in because because he can't be formally interviewed this week. Correct. By the way, did you find it interesting? And I asked Ben this yesterday. Just the number of virtual interviews, uh, you know, that Ben Johnson and others that were still participating in the playoffs had as late as Friday and Saturday before games. I thought it was unusual. I I mean, I I may be wrong. Maybe it's the way it's happened, but it seemed unusual. It's insane. I mean, he had five. Um, He had four before the game and one right after the game. He did Atlanta right after the game. It's insane. Dude just won, you know, a divisional playoff game, like, and is, you know, going on Zoom to talk to the Falcons. But, I mean, that's that's the NFL setup. And I don't – I was talking to Mark Maskey about this, and it seems insane. Like, how can they want this setup? But, you know, again, nobody's come up with a better solution. Um, And the NFL has tried to delay this more and more with the hope of, you know, teams looking at a broader pool of candidates and kind of diversifying, you know, who they're looking at. And if you look at the number of people that Atlanta has interviewed, my God. Right. I think they're going to have, like, interviews. I mean, poor Kyle Smith. He's been on, like, Zoom for, like, the past two weeks. Um, so, I mean, it's, yeah, it's it's a ton. I, I think this is, and if they delay it further, God, forbid please don't do that nfl um but i mean because yeah, we do want it wrapped this up is... for, for for the for the uh other you know 24 teams that weren't participating and especially those that didn't have a chance to participate in the postseason yeah. we'd like the whole thing wrapped up but what i yeah. wanted you to do was just give a quick update on who's next you know M- morris and quinn formally this week if it hasn't happened already and then what happens the rest of the week and next week with respect to interviews yeah so morris and quinn can go this week um i think it was reported that bobby slowick i'm still trying to confirm that but bobby slowick is today um and then the other interviews for folks that are still in the postseason so uh ravens dc mike mcdonald um aaron glenn ben johnson um they can have in-person interviews next week if but they can't be hired until their season is over. So if they go to the Super Bowl, any of them, um, you know, Washington's going to have to wait to hire them if they want them until after, what, February uh, right. 11th? So, yeah, which, yeah. you know, Second really pushes it when you need to, yeah, I mean, it really pushes it when you need to build a full staff, when you need to consider personnel, when you got to start prepping for the draft. I mean, it looks like probably if Adam Peters goes to the Senior Bowl, he's going to be doing so without a head coach or, really knowing what the staff is going to be. Um, he's not the first GM to have to do that, but that's the reality. All right. So if you um, made Ben, which you have made Ben, ben Johnson, the odds on favorite to get the job here, also knowing there's a lot of competition, who'd be the second favorite if, if he ended up taking somebody else's yeah. offer? Um, Mike McDonald. Um, you know, and I, I know there's a, a lot out there. We need an offensive-minded coach. I mean, I, I think a 
a really good coach is what you want, whether it's offense, defense, you want a guy that can lead, a guy that can build the right staff. You can develop a quarterback with a head coach that knows primarily defense. It has been done before. Um, but he would be, I would think he'd be up there as, you know, in the top three. I think Raheem Morris is certainly up there. You know, he's had a head coaching sim before, didn't go as well as he would hope, but that's the case for so many coaches well-respected in the league. Um, and then Dan, Dan Quinn is sort of that veteran wild card for me is, you know, what happens with Seattle, um, you know, his last showing in Dallas, not so great, but right. I don't think you can, you know, pin his resume on one specific game. Um, I think he's a very fine coach. And again, Are you well surprised that Vrabel's name, like they, they, they seem to have yes. zero interest in Vrabel. Yes. Because I think he, I think Vrabel would have been, Rabel makes a lot of sense for this market. He really does. I mean, again, defensive minded, but I thought he, I was surprised the Titans let him go. First of all, um, Me too. and no disrespect to, to Brian Callahan, but to let Rabel go and then to hire somebody, you know, with zero play calling experience um, was a little surprising, but I've heard, you know, I've seen Callahan's rise. I would imagine Bill follows him there. Um, you know, I, he's impressed a lot of people, um, but I think Rabel is a very fine coach. And I think he would, I think he would do really well here and, and motivating the guys and really kind of fixing that defense and then getting the assistance he needs to build out the staff. Um, so yeah, he was, he was a name I, I, I still kind of wonder about. When you say wonder, I mean, we just found out over the weekend that, you know, Biennemi had been interviewed. Now he's in the building. He's under contract. Um, yeah, that was expected. You, so that was not a surprise. I, but, I mean, but what he, I'm saying is, is there a chance there's a name or two, maybe Vrabel, that we haven't heard about? Sure. I mean, there's plenty of time before they have to, they can hire a head coach. So, yeah, I mean, they they can add candidates at any point. And Rabel can interview in in person at any point now, since he's basically, I mean, like a street free agent, you know, right. sign with any team at any point. All right. Um, a couple more. Uh, Nikki's great. Uh, so I would, let, let's go with the, it ends up being Adam Peters, Ben Johnson is the combo. Um, and he hires a really good staff. Uh, and, you know, Peter's talked about being collaborative with the head coach hire um, as it relates to everything uh, football-wise. What kind of quarterback do you think that they would prefer if it's Ben Johnson, Adam Peters at number two? Would it be somebody like Jaden Daniels that's more dual threat? Or would it be, you know, Drake May, who, by the way, is dual threat at times too? But um, what kind right. of quarterback do you think they'd prefer? Yeah, that's a that's a good question because we've seen with Adam Peters and what they've done in San Francisco. You know, they kind of took a bullet on the the Trey Lance pick, but you know, really found a gem in Brock Purdy at you know very last pick. So, you know, I think my guess, and this is just based on sort of what they've done in the past, and you know, look at Ben Johnson's background as you know, QB's coach coming up, tight ends coach, whatever. Um, I would guess they want somebody who's, I think you have to be dual threat to a degree in the game anymore. Um, but somebody who kind of fits what they want to do. But I, you know, for that high of a pick, like you're going to take the best quarterback available too, and you mold the system to it. And that's, that's, a, that's what Ben has done um, with Jared Goff is, is really built a, an offense that fits him. 
Um, and that's what they did in San Francisco with, with Brock Purdy and kind of finding ways to, you know, use their myriad pieces and, and weapons to, to benefit him. So, I mean, this is my vague way of saying, I think they're going to take the best quarterback that's available. And I think if they fall in love with one, you know, maybe they make a move to, to go up and get them at one. You never know. Do you have or have you learned anything about how Adam Peters specifically feels about Sam Howell? I think it's way too early for that, honestly. Like, I don't know that he even knows truly how he feels about Sam Howell. I think he's going through that now. And I think that opinion will be shaped by, you know, what he sees over the coming weeks, months of these prospects. You know, if he goes down to the Senior Bowl, I that Michael Penix is down there. I don't think the other top ones are there, but you know, he's, he's always gone to these, to these all-star games for prospects to, to really evaluate the, the talent in person. And he's a really good talent evaluator too. So, you know, I think his opinion of Sam and sort of how he fits into the broader picture will come into shape then, but I think it's way too early to kind of really know now his view of him. All right, two more. What's Adam Peters done with the staff? Any update on people he's bringing on or people he might be saying goodbye to, like Martin Mayhew, Marty Herney as examples? Rob yeah, Rogers. I mean, so far they're still on staff, um, still kind of waiting to see how that all plays out. Um, I thought they would have decided by now, but they may still be waiting till they get through the head coaching interviews till they really have a better sense of where they're going there um, before they, they make any decisions. And then also you got to, you know, again, senior bowl is next week. They don't have a head coach. Do you keep them on board and kind of keep their insight going, um, right. you know, for, as they, they deal with all the personnel stuff leading up to the draft. Uh, last one. We're, it's two part. Were you surprised to learn that Ron Rivera still has interest in coaching? And then secondly, do you think he ends up getting a gig somewhere? I was not surprised. I mean, I mean, what Ron says is, is intentional and his very last wrestler when he was playing up, how much he really enjoyed, you know, the coordinator like duties and the play calling. I mean, that firmly planted the seed, at least for me, that he wanted to stay in this and, and wanted to really try for a coordinator role. I do think he gets a gig. I, the question for me is, will it be a coordinator gig? Will it be sort of like a senior defensive assistant gig? Will he decide ultimately to go into media? I think would be, I think Ron would be really good at that, honestly. Um, and I think he would have a number of suitors just, you know, with his connections in the league. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that could come into shape this week. Teams are starting to make hires. We'll see, kind of see where things end up with Philly. We interviewed with yesterday. Um, so yeah, I, I think Ron will stay affiliated with the league in some capacity. Um, and I do think he's a, he's a good candidate for a coach. It just has to be the right fit. You know, he's, he's still a great motivator. Players still believed in him till the very end. They had no issue with Ron. Yeah, no, I know. Um, great job. You're the best. I appreciate you doing this. Man, Detroit must have been awesome. And Sunday at M&T Bank, that'll be great too. I mean, it's not yeah. just an AFC title game. I, I didn't realize this, and you, you, I'm sure you know this now. This will be the first AFC championship game in Baltimore since 1970. I, as many times as Baltimore has been in the hunt, been in the Super Bowl, all of those AFC title games were played on the road. That's, that's crazy. 
Yeah, I mean, I've yeah. picked off a lot of historical moments on in this playoffs. I mean, that was the first time Detroit has hosted two playoff games in a postseason. And yeah, yeah, a lot of, you know, checking off a lot of records here. Great Fun. environments. Thanks. I'll talk to you soon. Okay, see ya. All right, Nikki Javala, everybody. Back uh, after this, Kevin Sheehan Show, Team 980. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. 